following aviation podcast is presented as entertainment, not flight instruction. Though some participants are certified flight instructors, their comments, opinions, and discussions of flying techniques are theirs alone. None of the co-hosts or guests on this podcast are acting as your flight instructor. Please consult your own CFI for guidance on your specific flight training, aeronautical knowledge, and aircraft operation. This is the Stuck Mike Avcast, an aviation podcast by thepilotreport.com about learning to fly, living to fly, and loving to fly. Episode 26, our first anniversary, how we got started flying, and the benefits of podcasting, coming up now on this edition of the Stuck Mike Avcast. Now, here are your co-hosts, Victoria Newville, Rick Felty, Carl Valeri, and Len Costa. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 26 of the Stuck Mike Abcast. I'm your host, Len Costa, and joining me on the show today, as always, are the usual group of aviation junkies, starting with... You bet. (laughs) Starting with Carl Valeri. Mr. Valeri, how are you today, sir? I'm just wonderful getting my fix today in the aviation world. How are you doing that? (laughs) Oh, I'm just sitting here reading a book about nine lives of Mr. Gross, a a gentleman who... uh, Flew all over the world and survived about nine crashes. So uh, wow. can, that's pretty amazing. That is, hat. Yeah, no yeah. joke. That'll be a pick of the week later on. <laughs> mental note, not, mental note not to fly with him. You don't fly with that gentleman. <laughs> yeah, but most people you should. don't fly with me. <laughs> He's survivable at least. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yes, yeah, see? <laughs> wow, that's, that's interesting. Any particular, I mean, just mishaps or, uh, you no, know, maybe no, he was a test like, pilot and he was supposed to crash things on purpose or what? <laughs> no, he just, he's, he's just an adventurer and he just went around and he's not the luckiest guy in the world, I guess. Uh, no doubt. <laughs> well, I don't know. Is he or isn't he, though? He's still alive. That's or true. Or at least he Good survived point. nine of them. <laughs> I don't know about the tenth. Wow, jeez. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. Oh, man. Joining us also, Victoria Newville. What's going on, V. Diddy? I am sunburned. Oh, no. Yeah, I spent uh, the whole day at the airport. Um, AOPA had an international learn-to-fly day. So I went there and ran the AirPros booth and talked to a lot of the people who came and uh, caught up with a lot of pilots I hadn't seen in a while. So cool. It's quite fun, but I'm pink. You're pink. Yeah. Did you put on That's sunscreen today? I did, 50 uh, SPF. Good and for you. I had people poking my face afterwards <laughs> going, you're pink. You're pink. Thank you. Yes. Well, we'll find out what happens tomorrow if you had the same sun poisoning reaction as five, you know, women fly it forward. Huh? I hope not. I do not want to look like a Sharpay again. It <laughs> <That> was horrible. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. Uh, it was. Mr. Felty, Rick's yes, joining us today. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm enjoying the lovely weather here in New England and uh, glad that Goodbye. The tornadoes went north. No, by lovely he means rain. <laughs> yes, it's just it's one of those rainy weekends that uh, you know have their own special sweet charm. It sure is, <laughs> and uh, I'm again once again I'm your host Len Costa, also joining you from uh, yeah sunny almost said sunny rainy New England. The good thing is it's washing away the pollen because I've been choking on all of this yellow crap hanging around. Mm, yeah. Pretty intense. So, uh, yeah, intense indeed. Let's do the pre-flight. Well, great. Uh, Today we've got a fun show for you guys. Actually, it's going to be a little deviation from what we normally do. Uh, Not an interview, not necessarily a a regular show, but uh, we'll start out with a quick announcement on... uh, From Carl. Carl, tell us what what you wanted to share today. Oh, yeah, quick announcement here. The... uh for some of you that uh, don't remember, uh, on 9-11, the captain of uh, Flight 93, his name was Jason Dahl. And uh, his wife and a few other folks started a memorial fund, a scholarship fund. And uh, actually, recently, the uh, the wife just passed away, and the memorial was today. For Her name was Sandy Dahl, and she was a flight attendant with United. And that's where they met. And she really has been a proponent for the furthering of aviation and aerospace education. What they did, they got their their 501c and they were able to put together this scholarship fund where um, also people like at at Microsoft, they can uh, donate within uh, one of their um, forms of donation on their, from their paycheck. Also the, anybody can donate here. 
And the scholarship, it's actually something a little more specific to aviation. So uh, the way that you would apply is you have to be a full-time student actually in, a, in an accredited university. And you have to be majoring in aviation with uh, more so an emphasis on pilot studies. And they're a giveaway. Uh, and you have to, of course, do an essay and all. And if you want to check out their – they have a uh, – fund a, a website it's called the doll fund d-a-h-l fund.org uh doll and we'll have uh links to the show notes but uh yeah today was actually uh the wife who is the uh, real big proponent of of captain doll and also of what he did for aviation and the promotion of aviation mm-hmm. because a lot of folks don't realize that you know yeah part of uh, a big part of him was the fact that he had passed away during uh 9-11 and it was one of the only planes that actually didn't make it to its targets but he also was very much about promoting kids and and promoting people to move forward in their careers in aviation and his wife wanted to continue that legacy and that's what she's done has a, a, a large board so this fund is actually going to continue on mm-hmm. and the board of directors is going to continue that so yeah check out the doll fund excuse me dot org d-a-h-l fund dot org okay and we don't do a lot of stuff on the show that's generally dated, but when Carl says uh, that the service was today, we're recording on June 2nd of 2012, to put that in perspective for folks, if uh, you're searching for some information online later on, um, that's when we're recording the show. So uh, cool. Well, that's interesting. Um, we'll have to take a look at that and see. Because I was telling you guys offline, I was, there, there's some gentlemen that I found out, uh, uh, I don't know how old he is, but uh, somebody looking for some ideas on getting some money for flight training. So uh, I'm going to check that out and probably point him in that direction. It'll be helpful. Very cool. Um, cool. And a second announcement, uh, one that I usually do at the beginning of the show is, um, you know, as, as you're aware, the Stuck Mike Avcast is a listener-supported show. If you're interested in donating to our Virgin Galactic Space Fund so that the four of us can one day ride on... Um, you know, a space shuttle or a space, whatever spacecraft is going into outer space. We're taking donations and collections over at stuckmikeavcast.com forward slash support. Any amount is appreciated. Hey, if you have an extra 200 grand to drop in there, that'll take care of one of us at least. But, uh, you know, $5 is good too. So stop on over and uh, top off that space fund for us. I believe we talked about carrying, you know, with us a small scrap of paper with their name written on it. Absolutely. Into space. Mm-hmm. And if they, if you want to send us a photo, we'll take that sure, too. Whatever. <laughs> we're, we're just planning ahead. <laughs> now entering cruise flight. Well, now that we've got the announcements out of the way, like I was saying a little bit earlier, this is a bit of a deviation from our normal shows. The usual deviations are when we sit down and we interview, uh, you know, a special aviator in the community. Today, actually, um, we haven't necessarily had a chance to sit down and share our thoughts on our first year of podcasting. We most recently had an an anniversary, our first year anniversary here at the Stuck Mike Avcast back on May 9th of 2012. And um, so we were going to talk a little bit today about how each one of us got interested and started in aviation and flying, and then a little bit transition over into our first year at podcasting, what it's meant to us, what, uh, you know, if it's uh, what kind of opportunities and other things have come about from podcasting? So, we'll start out. Um, we'll start out with uh, Rick. Tell us a little bit first of all. Remind folks we've we've kind of each briefly mentioned in other episodes what got us interested in aviation. But how about a reminder? Uh, you know how you got started taking your flight lessons, and you know just your right. overall thoughts on the process that you've got to so far. Yeah, sure. Um, mine is uh, sort of the probably typical later in life story. I. Um, my dad had, uh, when I was a kid, had uh, been training and wanted to learn to fly. And, and I think pretty quickly early on, probably before Solo, his medical revealed a heart thing that he had that was at the time, this would have been in the 60s, a um, problem enough. I, I mean, and the, the details aren't necessarily like to go into here, but it was enough that I get, he couldn't go forward with it. So it was always a, a thing I think he wished he could have done. And, um, you know, just as a, as a hobby. He had a friend who had a plane and flew and stuff. So he never got to do that, and I was always aware of that. And we shared a bunch of, of interest in space. You know, I lived in Florida at the time. We've talked about that before. And there was a lot of stuff about about aviation and or, you know, aeronautics or whatever that um, – that we were into and that we shared. So years go by and you, you know, you move on with your life and whatever. I, um, but the next thing I did that was even close to, to training, um, I had a little bit of room, you know, time in my, in my life. And we had done some, he and I had gone 
up with some uh, glider pilots and done some of that. And so I had a I had some time to to try some things. I was living in Chicago and out west of Chicago, it gets pretty flat and pretty hot. And there's a whole lot of places where they are pretty successful at um, doing uh, glider stuff. So I went out and took some training, some glider uh, training, which, um, you know, I, I, which was great. I loved it. I would actually love to go back and try it now that I, you know, that I am a private pilot too. Um, the, the challenge for me, as I recall, I loved every bit of it. Um, the toe up was the thing that always was intense for me. Somehow I just never quite, you know, got, for those of you who do that, who, who I never quite uh, kept the toe line taut enough and stayed in the right position. And, but everything else was great, you know, just timing everything. And I never got very far with it or soloed or anything, but, um, but it was a blast. So that happened. And then, um, Years later, um, was it was basically taking a flight with family in a um, in a biplane uh, in the area here, and um, one of those you know paid flying around things, and just had a blast. And went, you know, I can I, this is interesting to me. And soon thereafter, a family member or two got started. Actually, said, I'm going to go do this and start taking lessons. And that sort of kicked me a bit. And I said, oh, you know what, I should um, I should do that too. I've got a little more room now, and um, you know, space and location to do it and all that. So I uh, decided to jump in. And before that, and, and actually before I really officially began training where I, where I ultimately trained, I went um, up for a few flights uh, with a, a guy I know who uh, teaches tail draggers um, in, in the Satabri and did, so sort of, I think my first training flight was, you know, was with him in the Satabri out sort of between, in that just wonderful beautiful, amazing space between uh, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket and Cape Cod. Just, just, and it was a beautiful day. And um, he is one of these guys who uh, just controls the plane. Like it's part of him kind of, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and really knows it well. And I hope to have him on the show at some point, either through an interview or, or as a guest, either, you know, whatever we can do, because he really is a cool guy. And, and there was a lot in that first flight that was just magical and, you know, it was beautiful. And he, you know, and we did a lot of fun stuff. And then, um, then I, then I got down to business and I, I went to, uh, I, where I live is a couple of choices of airports to go to, but I ended up picking Norwood mm-hmm. and, um, started training there. And, and then, uh, it dragged out a little longer cause I was still working and traveling around the country a bit at the time. So right. I learned early on that, you know, people are right. If you can stick with it and do it, do it regularly, very regularly, you can get through it much quicker than if you spread it out. And I unfortunately spread it out, but that's fine. And I, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the basic story. And then the specifics of what I flew and, and all that I can get into. But so you're, like you said, your father was interested, but never got the opportunity. But it sounds yeah. like another family member was getting involved in flying before you started taking lessons. Yes. And now, so did that, was that sort it was of more a, just you know, a, wow, this is possible. Right. I mean, okay. I, so just another reminder. Yeah. Like, oh, I can. I could just start doing this and mm-hmm. gee, I had enough fun and that would be a fun challenge. And, you know, so it was, it, yeah, there were, there were a couple of things that made me go, Oh, you know, I, it's, it's a thing you can actually go do. Mm-hmm. Cause I didn't really have it in mind ever as a career, even as a kid, it wasn't something I wanted to do, you know, that way. I had other interests that, you know, that I was following, but, uh, and I didn't sit around talking about aviation all the time. It wasn't something that I, and I know there are people who just are so passionate about it. I, Got it. You know, I was into other things and it was, but it was in there. And, it, and then it, at the time it hit finally. And when it seemed right, it was a, it was a cool challenge to, to tackle. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm very, I'm very always into sort of multitasking and multiprocessing of, you know, being even like the world, you know, where I work when I'm doing creative stuff, I've, I've got multiple things going because it's how, it's how my head works. And there's a lot of that in flying that was really a mm-hmm. great challenge for me that really was fun. In fact, when I, when I did my check ride, it was a little letdown. I was like, oh, Okay, I gotta I gotta figure out what the next task is, and I still am working on that because I just love the process of learning, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then I cool. have interesting stories about the fact that I started in a Cirrus, and we yes. can, we could talk about that some other time because <laughs> that that was interesting. So. That's a that's an, definitely an interesting way to start. You're starting yeah. in a high what I would consider a high performance airplane with right. uh, advanced avionics and right. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely I mean, one did, way to get started. Yeah, I mean, I, I started there and did all my stuff. I did the, I did everything except well, just except prepping for the check ride. I did all my cross right. countries, got it all done, which was good because it's a little faster than some of the other planes. So the, the cross countries didn't take quite as long, et cetera. <laughs> but and then and then that plane went offline, and mm-hmm. I had to start again, uh, in a way, not with the trips and the, the detailed flying, but learning uh, with a with a Cessna one seventy two mm-hmm. high wing. So, mm-hmm. and that was a whole, and it took a while to get back even to soloing just because mm-hmm. it was different. Not that long, but it, it was, a, it was a, 
it was an interruption, but, 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 you know, cool that I could do both. So there was a lot of fun stuff that came through all that. Right. And, yeah. um, so you've got your private pilot certificate. Right. And you're hoping to pursue your instrument at yes. some point. And yes. then is, is that as far as you're, I you're interested so. in going? Yeah, right not, I don't, yeah. I don't necessarily, unless, unless at some point we talk as a subject matter and I hear from you guys why it would be worth it in certain contexts to have different you know other things like commercial whatever i don't really think there's a need for me to to go any further Mm -hmm. than that but you know you never know so Mm -hmm. and maybe you know but maybe there's some endorsement you know some i i like the guys who go down and do uh you know water water landing stuff and that's kind of interesting just i don't Mm -hmm. have any application for it at all but it would be fun to, to play with little things like that so yeah it's it's been i mean i it's one of the cooler things i've ever done in my life for sure awesome well you know you you must you guys, be excited that you finally got to do it, or yeah, that you, you are doing it. Then, yeah, you know? yeah. And you guys all—I mean, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's just like, wow, I can. You mean you sort of go, wow, I, I can do, I can go do this. <laughs> I so, can fly an airplane. I mean, I mean, you guys do that every day, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's still a thing where you got to remind still, yourself. Not everybody. Yeah, not everyone oh, yeah. can do this. No, no, and it's still. It's funny. One of my old roommates was telling me he's like, you know, he he's also an airline pilot. He goes, sometimes I'm just staring out the window in the cockpit thinking to myself, holy crap, I'm sitting in a chair flying through the air. <laughs> it's true. Hey, that <laughs> rhyme. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I tell you what, if it's, it's the longest thing I've done my entire life, meaning hobby, activity, anything. I've been right. flying for 15 and a half years. I'm only 30 years old. I mean, half of my lifetime has been spent flying at this point, and I can't imagine a life any other way now, actually. Right. Um, you know, just from the perspective of seeing things when you're flying, the way you see the world and 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 everything else that goes along with it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Uh, Victoria, tell us a little bit. You've you actually come from a bit of a flying family or an aviation family. We know your grandfather was involved in the space program and your father was interested in aviation. And you've got some I think it was some uncles that are pilots and whatnot. Tell us, uh, you know, give us give us the rundown again. Yeah. Um, it was always something I heard as a child, you know, my grandfather was in the Apollo program and he, uh, he flew, my dad eventually flew. I had a few uncles that flew. Um, my grandpa on the other side flew as well. And then his brother was a world war II ace. So I was always surrounded by aviation stories, but you know, I never had a chance to fly with any of them, but I always heard the stories and they weren't actively flying as I grew up. Um, so, but I did get to go to Oshkosh. My dad would bring me there. And finally one day we were there and saw a, um, kit helicopter and my dad had always wanted to fly helicopters. So we bought a kit helicopter and the plan was that we were going to put it together and learn to fly while we were building our helicopter. But unfortunately, uh, things happened and the company went under and so we never got our helicopter. So, uh, what we did from there was brought me to ground school. It was a refresher for my father since he was already a pilot, but hadn't flown in about 15 years. So I was 16 years old with all these 30 plus year old men at the airport, you know, learning ground school. And then I took my discovery flight. So that was my first time I actually flew and realized this is something I could do. But, you know, with being in high school and, you know, money was tight, it, it never happened. Mm -hmm. And finally I, I was, um, in a point of my life where I was thinking about a career change, you know, what I was studying and what I thought I was going to go into, I realized wasn't right for me. And that's when I rediscovered my love for flying. And that day that I decided I pulled out all my old books um, that I got when I originally went to ground school, like went, you know, seven years earlier and uh, said, this, this is for me. And uh, in that process, I actually realized even while becoming a commercial pilot that I didn't, think I really wanted to fly for a living. Mm-hmm. I still want to pursue um, uh, becoming a CFI, but I'm really happy working in aviation on the ground and I get to spend my weekends, you know, at the airports mm-hmm. talking and networking with all the pilots there. So, so what was your, what was your initial, when you, when you got interested, you just wanted to do it as a hobby. I mean, has there been any point where you were ever interested in any sort of more professional career. I mean, CFI is sort of a career, if you will, but not a, you know, it's not often a primary career for a lot of people unless they're retired. Um, what was your, what were you looking to do in the beginning before you 
first started like with the helicopter, that was just for fun. And it was me spending time with my father. Sure. Um, when I did the ground school for fixed wing planes, that was still just for fun. It's a cool thing to learn. And I always wanted to become a commercial pilot even then, though, just to say I did. Like mm-hmm. I was one of those girls who I want to learn to fly everything and get all my ratings and all that stuff. And I still want to. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, it wasn't until I had this kind of like career change thought that I went back and rediscovered, you know, my love for aviation. And mm-hmm. it was a very long and hard road. I think I've had nine instructors, three flight schools and two airports, which is pretty rough for most of that was changing <laughs> through my private pilot. So <laughs> I think that's probably kind of common, to be honest with you. Unfortunately, it is. Um, that's a whole discussion for another day that we mm-hmm. could go on about yeah, you know, how long it takes to become a pilot and the hurdles that you face. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I don't regret a single bit of it. Right, right. So you have a commercial instrument certificate right. and single engine. What about multi-engine? Not multi yet. Not multi. And uh, I never asked you, Rick. Rick, you're just single engine too. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Any interest in pursuing multi just as a... You know, a um, goal for you sure. a challenge in the future. No, no, that's cool. I mean, I, I definitely have, yeah, I've heard enough about it or learned, heard enough people talking about the challenges that presents mm-hmm. that it would be interesting to, to do it. And I, and I know some people who have. So, yeah, that'd be cool. Cool. Um, we'll go ahead and talk to Carl. Carl, you have mentioned in some previous shows, this is actually maybe a second or third career for you as far as aviation is involved, but kind of got interested with model rocketry, model aircraft. Uh, you know, tell us, uh, remind us of your story. Well, yeah, my it, it, it's kind of varied. And it's funny, before I, uh, I get into that, I actually was asking um, my mom about aviation. I said, do you, do you have any idea how I got into this? And is there any other recollection of me being around airplanes when I was younger? And, you know, she said to me that, uh, you know, I was one of those kids that loved the model airplanes and all, and I built model rockets and, and everything. And uh, she said, actually, when we moved from New Jersey, Newark, New Jersey, to Seattle, Washington, I was at the window the whole time looking outside. She says, I never took my face off that glass. And I said, well, heck, that's maybe how I got interested. And I didn't, even, I didn't know that story. Obviously, I was about two years old. I had no I've flown idea. with him. He still does this. I still do that. <laughs> but but it, it's Rick's funny marks because... everywhere he goes. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to share this, but you know that my first, my first memories of aviation and models is, do you remember when you were a kid, and they actually still have these. I looked this up on the internet. You know, remember Playmobil? And the little guys, you know, you can put them in the different, you know, boats and stuff like that. Yeah. Remember they had an airplane. It's, they still have it. And you can actually buy the little air, jet airplane. And it looks like a little 747. Mm-hmm. And that's, I, that's my first remembrance of any kind of airplane model. I used to play with that little Playmobil and put my – I used to be a little, little pilot and I'd walk into the airplane and take off and fly around. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I started there and that was that from that – Years later came my my passion for making model airplanes and getting into primarily World War II, and of course my favorite one to build was the F4, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I got into model rocketry, built dozens and dozens of model rockets, and then I got into uh, what am I going to do for a living? And uh, I had no idea. I, in high school, I had been into video production, and I actually was working for a local cable company as a videographer. That's how much I was into it. But I, I, you know, I looked at the people there and I said, this isn't really something I want to do. And I got into computers. Uh, but I still kept thinking about aviation. And wouldn't you know it, four years later, after a degree in computers, my last month in school, I was looking into getting into actual radio-controlled airplanes. I really wanted to start flying radio-controlled airplanes. So I'm starting buying all the books and everything about this. And then someone comes up to me, and, and, and this is, is a key point in my life, is that here's somebody that actually I didn't really like very much who came up to me and said to me, you know, you can fly those too. And I said, me? No, I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. Because I, I, I remember as a kid being out in, uh, it was Somerset Hills Airport in Basking Ridge, New Jersey, you know, running down the runway with my, my hands out. You know, they closed the airport down and I'd say, hey, you don't want to fly. But I never thought I could actually do that. And I went to the airport that day and said, yeah, 
let me try it out. And the, and the person that I met, and this is, this is really key too, is that he was so enthusiastic about flying, he got me hooked. And he looked at me while we're doing our intro flight and he says, you know what? I get paid for doing this. <laughs> I was like, man, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and uh, so my, it was my last month in, in college. I had actually placed out of all of my exams except for one. And I said, I'm going to do this. So May 1st, I, I started flying May 31st. I soloed mm-hmm. and, uh, and went from there. But see, I just had this degree in computers and, uh, and I started a, you know, I've always had little businesses and stuff. And I decided to start a, a computer business, a consulting business and, and uh, use the airplane, not for business, but for fun. Went through the ratings as I was doing that. And uh, then I wound up uh, going down to uh, actually the Bahamas and uh, got married down there into a Bahamian. And uh, since I knew something about importing and exporting <laughs> software and, and products, and I said, well, let me get into doing that. And I wound up, get this, I, I put all the computers behind me and I wound up getting in the seafood business of all things. I started That's importing right. lobster right. and I imported lobster for a living. And that actually was, was quite lucrative uh, until I got divorced and I came back to the U.S. and I uh, got back into the computer business. And one day, someone, the the person that I was uh, friends with, a, a girlfriend at the time, said, "Hey, listen, you know, you always talk about aviation. You love flying, and uh, you know, you love anything that that's that travels, anything that you can travel inside of." And she, and she knew I had this passion for motorhomes, and said, "Why don't you get a motorhome and why don't you start teaching people how to fly?" Well, a week later, I sold everything and took all my possessions and bought a motorhome and pursued my flight instructor certificate. And I lived in my motorhome while I was teaching people how to fly. Now, where was where was wow. this? Was this, this was in Florida or back? This in is New actually Jersey? in Florida. Okay. Sorry, I went from the, the New Jersey to the Bahamas, then Bahamas back to Florida, actually. And I'd been in Florida quite a bit throughout, you know, my consulting business and my my seafood business. I said, I really like it here. And it was a good thing that I settled here because this is a great state to actually teach because the weather's so good. You mm-hmm. can fly almost every day of the year. And uh, so that that's how I got into that. And I, I just, um, you know, I, I burned the boats and just mm-hmm. stayed uh, stayed into it. Not wasn't a very responsible thing to do, <laughs> but, but it sure was a lot of fun. Sure. And uh, obviously not a lot of planning involved, but sometimes if you're just passionate about something, you just go for it and mm-hmm. figure out how am I going to make a living doing this. And I was actually fortunate enough. I, I got busy really quickly. And uh, was, you know, got finished with the, the single engine. You know, I got my flight instructor certificate fairly quickly. Uh, I got my instrument instructor after that, my multi-engine instructor soon after that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then uh, one day I was uh, teaching a student and um, how I got, this is how I got to the airlines. I said, you know, I don't want to teach this person anymore because they're, you know, they're not the nicest person in the world. And my boss said, no, you can't do that. And, I, and another friend of mine said, you know, you should try with the airlines and boom. I'd put that in my application in and a month later I'm flying for the airlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that was my story. I mean, it's a very varied, I mean, and that's the thing. When you're looking at a career in anything, I think we all realize that we have these paths that we go down. And it's really, truly a, a journey. It's it's a serendipitous journey. It's something that we we learn so much just just out of fortune, out of luck, mm-hmm. as we we go down these different paths in life. And I never thought that I would get into aviation so much that it encompasses my life. I just mm-hmm. asked my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. It's like 24-7. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's probably mad at me for having you come on the podcast and taking time away from her. Oh, my God. I do think you... she's adapted. She's had a year now. She's grown into it. She understands what's going on. I, I'll never forget the day you asked me. We were sitting in the, remember in the parking lot, and you said, hey, Carl, you know, I'm doing this and and uh, and uh, this website, and I'm thinking of doing a podcast. Would you want to join us? And I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be great because, you know, we talked about my website where I was doing uh, you know, expertaviator.com where I try to do one lesson a week and, mm-hmm. and, you know, kept me going into, into teaching and all. And it was too funny because I, I'll, I'll never forget that day. It's like, yeah, this sounds like a cool idea. This sounds like a lot of fun. We can talk and learn and, and teach people things. And, and actually we'll be able to reach a, a wider audience. Mm-hmm. And that's what podcasting does. It's amazing. It, right. it reaches this wide audience. I would never be able to talk to these people and, and teach them the things I can teach them by just being right here and yeah. Sitting at the airport. Yeah. So, how many airlines have you, have you worked at then? Because I think there's uh-huh. been more than if I know yeah, there's been yeah. more than one. You're in there second or third or four. It's ten. Or subject, but okay, we'll go. We'll go there. The uh, yeah. What had happened is, I um, when I got hired was April of 2001, mm-hmm. 
which was a boom time in the aviation industry. If you had a pulse, you could be an airline captain. Within when I when I was hired with the airlines, it was nine months to become a captain, which was phenomenal. And you only needed five hundred hours to start out. Nice. They were given waivers for people to to fly. Uh, there was actually there's an exception that you can fly. Uh, actually within the U.S. without the uh, 1,500 hours in the ATP. So that was kind of interesting. And then on September 11th, I was commuting home. Why, how everything changed on that, that one day. that changed dramatically in that one day. I, I uh, just, I was going to the airport and uh, my girlfriend said, hey, listen, you know, you better turn on the news. And I did. And I said, ooh, this is not good. And uh, just decided not to commute that day. Thank God. And uh, went home and, uh, what was it, about... Ten days later, I was laid off. Mm-hmm. Well, what happened there is um, the airline I was working for, they uh, let me go on as a reservation agent for the airline. They were actually hiring reservation agents. And the funny thing is when I went to work at the res center, uh, the people there said, boy, this must be tough taking a pay cut to come and work as a reservation agent. The pay was so low back then for pilots, I actually made more money <laughs> my first year of pay as a reservation agent at the airline. Wow. And they're like, wow. It was, it was $10 more per paycheck. I think that was about what it was, but still it was more. It was more is and, more. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I had various jobs just doing the, uh, the flight instructor gig, but I also went to work for another airline. And this, it, was, it was a deal through the airline I was working for. And instead of going there, they paid me to stay at home. That's how low my salary was because they said, hey, listen, you're going to get called back to, this, uh, to the original airline you were working for, so don't go there. And this is a real complex story, but I uh, I get called back to work after six months of getting paid to sit at home, the ori- and I'm the working original as a res- airline. Yeah, the original airline, and and then the original airline calls me back two days later. They furlough again, so I get called back to work. I get furloughed again, and then after that, I uh, they said, well, we're sitting here, we're paying you to be a reservation agent, and we're paying you to be a pilot for this other contract airline that's working for us. We can't do that anymore. I was like, great, find me a job flying. And they said, well, we got a job for you flying over here at this other airline. I was like, okay, I'll go there. Well, long story short, I never, I never had to do recurrent training for the first four years in my aviation career because I was always doing initial training. I went to that other subcontract airline, wow. and seven years after, or excuse me, seven months after being there, I got recalled again at the original airline I was working for, and I went back. And that's where I am now, and uh, and I'm I'm glad I came back. You know, so was, you're was, back at the same place. Yes, so I you, came you, back <laughs> from all the way around and came back and went Full to all circle. these different. And, and it's funny because I was I was talking to somebody about this, and um, it was actually a recruiter with an airline. They said said you know this is really confusing me. I said believe me, it confuses me. I I actually I cannot remember all my residences. I had to actually write it down because every six months. Uh, I was actually changing jobs so much uh-huh. that I packed everything in my car, all the things I really needed, and I would rent an apartment for like six, seven months at a time and just live out of my car for those three to four years, right. just traveling through. And I lived in every time zone mm-hmm. during that period, Not every time zone within the continental U.S. Mm-hmm. So that was pretty, that that was exciting. That was uh, definitely varied, but I stuck with it. You know, most people, uh, I should say a lot of people gave up during that period um, because, you know, as you know, I, I've talked about, I help people that were furloughed after nine 11. That's a, a volunteer work I've been doing for the past decade, actually. And, uh, some of those people said, I can't do this. I'm going to go, I'm going to go sell real estate. And I said, man, if, if this isn't your passion, you know, you, you found out about it. it and, you know, if you can't right. take this big, it's a big bump, but it's a bump in the road and it's, it's time to get out. And now I, I couldn't, I couldn't see myself not being involved in aviation, even after all those things and all those sure. major bumps in the road. It, you know, if I was to lose, say, say I couldn't fly anymore, I lost my medical, I would definitely be involved in it somehow. And like Victoria, she sells insurance. You know, there's uh, there's so many other aspects of aviation that you can get involved with and mm-hmm. still be able to hang out, talk to pilots and talk about airplanes. You don't have to actually be flying the plane. Right. right. So that's doable. Although I don't want to stop doing this, that's for sure. <laughs> right, no doubt. Well, you've definitely lived the uh, quintessential airline life that is, uh, <laughs> you know, going through a divorce, going through a furlough or 12. Uh, you know, you've, you've rode the wave high and low in, in every aspect, and you're still sticking with it. So obviously it's something that you care about. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not for the faint of heart. That's for sure. Although, you know, listen, there's people out there who have never been through one bump in their road. You know, it's all about timing. And I'm about to tell you that I'm that one person. I know. As of right now. <laughs> you must have, like, given all your bumps to me. To my- that just must be it. <laughs> You're a smooth ride because I took all your bumps. You like, had all the bumps, too? I'm like Mother Teresa here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, I guess, yeah, I suppose there haven't been too many ordeals that I've gone through. Um, my story more starts back when I was younger. I, it's kind of funny because this passion has sort of since then sort of died off for me. But when I was younger, I was all, you know, so interested in the space shuttle and the space program and all that stuff. And for the longest time, I apparently wanted to be an astronaut. And growing up, you know, it was my goal, my passion, everything that I had, you know, in my room was space themed and all my toys were space toys and aviation toys. And that's, that's all I knew existed was space. One day, Len's going to fly in space. And, and well, and for a side note, I still wish to fly in space, but not, uh, you know, not as a, not as a career choice. So, you know, as I grew older, I had an opportunity, um, in high school, we happened to be, I still can't remember to this day how we ended up out at the, at the airport in this particular afternoon, but the family and I were driving by the airport. We saw some people gathered around a bunch of kids and whatnot. And we stopped over to see what's going on. And lo and behold, today is a Young Eagles Day. So, they're, you know, Young Eagles is, is put on by the EAA. It's a program for, uh, I can't remember the age group, but I think it's up to 15 or 17-year-old. It's a, it's, it's, it's a wide, varied age group where children and teenagers can get an opportunity to go for a free airplane ride put on by volunteer pilots in their aircraft. This day, I'm out there at the airport. I'm going on my first flight in a small airplane ever on this Young Eagles Day. My first airplane ride was in a Lancer 320, which is an experimental home-built airplane. The thing, the airplane is so sleek, there's not, a, there's not a rivet, there's not an antenna, there is nothing that sticks out of this airplane. It is 100% aerodynamic as far as, as far as you can tell. This, you know, everything about this airplane is straight performance. So my first time in a small airplane is in an experimental high-performance aircraft. We go up, we fly around the local area with the pilot. He lets me fly, and I just have this grin from ear to ear pretty much from that day on forward. Now, later on, I would come to find out that through the local college here, Daniel Webster College, there was a program for, um, for teenagers, and you had to apply for it and under certain conditions be accepted into the program, and the program was... Uh, it was that the the outcome was that you would get your recreational pilot certificate through this program for free. It was uh, something that you know folks donated money towards a program to help uh, teenagers uh, who are looking for something or interested in pursuing aviation. Again, like I said, you had to apply for this program. I fortunately got accepted into it, and I started flying when I was in high school uh, through this program at Daniel Webster. A college in Nashua, New Hampshire. As that went on, though, at the time I started, it was uh, it was like um, November of 1996. I was 15 years old, so you know you can't solo till you're 16. You can't get your private till you're 17. So I just, you know, I had no choice but to fly, fly, fly to stay current and proficient. So I started flying with this gentleman here and uh, took a bunch of flight lessons. And since we had all this time in between, like I said, uh, my 16th and 17th birthday. Those ended up becoming huge milestones for me when I actually did my very first solo on my 16th birthday. And then after that, I had a whole year before I was eligible for my private pilot certificate because, you, again, you can't get that till you're 17. So there was another 12 months that I just had to fly, fly, fly to stay current and proficient. So I continued flying. And uh, through that experience, you know, got an opportunity to fly all kinds of different aircraft, the 152, the 172, the Warrior, the Arrow, the Archer, the Mooney, a uh, uh, Baron, um, and I think there was one other airplane. Oh, one opportunity we had actually this class that I was in. We went on a field trip down to um, Westover Air Force Base, and I got to fly a full motion C five simulator, which was absolutely outrageous. So a lot of opportunities came out of this. So I continued, like I mentioned, I just continued flying. And uh, on my 17th birthday, the day of my 17th birthday, I took my private pilot check ride and passed. So ever since then, it's always been, you know, it, it was 
it was something I was excited to do. And, you know, right around that time, it's my 17th birthday. Uh, I think I was in my junior year of high school or so. So, you know, mom and dad are like, what are you going to do for college? You got to go to school. Okay, fine. You know, well, this aviation thing seems pretty cool. How about I, how about I give that a go? You know, I'm your really... parents sound funny, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to school. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I, they they don't listen to the podcast, do they? No, apparently not. <laughs> <I hope> not. <laughs> um, so you know, I decided to to pursue that as a possible aviation career path, and uh, for me, you know, it was it was it was really it's my first choice of career. It's the only thing that I've done. Uh, you know, I've not unlike Carl, uh, who had previous careers before going professionally into flying. Um, I, you know, I didn't really know any different. I enjoyed it. I felt uh, comfortable doing it. It was something that, um, you know, interested me. So I ended up going to college. I did the whole, you know, tour of the USA thing, see different colleges in uh, Florida and North Dakota and all over the country and ended up picking my school and uh, decided to, you know, I decided to pursue it full time as a career. So I actually ended up graduating from a university with a bachelor's of science in aeronautics and then later on went back to get a master's of science in aviation management and through that time i you know the our university has a lot of opportunities for you know like job placement and that sort of thing so you know i knew i wanted to fly for the airlines i'll be honest i didn't think i would be flying for the airlines past 30 uh so i am 30 now and i am going to continue flying here for a little while longer but I do believe at some point in the near future, I probably will e- either change flying jobs or change careers or pursue some other, you know, something else in life beyond aviation. Because you, you don't just leave aviation because we can always fly, you know, recreationally. But um, the, uh, the, the university had an opportunity to do some job placement. So I actually ended up doing a scholar, or not a scholarship, excuse me, an internship with the airline that I'm currently working for. And that, um, that internship happened to be in the chief pilot's office. And that was for a period of four months. And I was working in the chief pilot's office, uh, doing all kinds of administrative stuff down there, getting to see what the, air, the, uh, the airline was like. They actually put us through ground school on the airplane with you know, an actual, an actual uh, new hire ground school with people that were going through. So we went through aircraft ground school, got to fly the simulator a little bit. Uh, we, were, we had the opportunity or we were actually not the opportunity, but we were granted access uh, as interns to uh, to use the flight deck jump seat. So, you know, that was an opportunity to go in and see the operation behind, behind the scenes. And I was like, all right, this is really cool. So, you know, later on in life, after uh, finishing um, the master's degree, I moved on and uh, picked up a job in Virginia as a flight instructor. So, I, you know, I worked all the way through my single engine, multi-engine instrument commercial certificates, and then I got my flight instructor, uh, my instrument flight instructor, and my multi-engine flight instructor. Finally got a job in flight instructing down in Virginia where I spent um, about, about 14 or 15 months. And what was really cool about this opportunity is it wasn't all flight instruction. There was, a lo- there was some charter stuff that was in a 414. And there were some other things we did, Part 91 Pilot Services, which is actually when uh, the pilot service stuff was in an, was in aircraft, owner aircraft, but these owners weren't pilots. So they were just owner aircraft. And, you know, one particular uh, a group of folks owned this aircraft, and they would contract our flight school, and uh, we would provide the pilot services in their aircraft. So I, out of the, out of the, I don't know, if, uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to do quick math here on the air. I think out of the eight or 900 hours that I got over that 15 months, about 650 were instruction and the, and the balance were doing other things like charter and pilot service trips. So what was cool about that is it gave me the opportunity to not, you know, some people get burnt out doing flight instruction 24-7 just to build hours. But I had opportunity, you know, I flew this 206 from Virginia out to Arkansas a couple of weekends in a row in the middle of the night around thunderstorms you know, my first experience in IFR and just some really cool opportunities that, uh, they gave me a, a broader diversity of experience than I think I might've gotten just flight instructing. So from there, again, you know, worked my way up into some flight experience, uh, enough to which apply to an airline and that applied to a couple of airlines. 
And I was accepted for an interview at the airline that I entered at, which is the one I'm currently uh, currently working for. And we, um, you know, they flew us down there and we did the interview process. And this was something that I studied for a long time for. And, and, and this particular airline, they tell you right on the spot if they're, you know, they're like, okay, we're offering you this job. Are you interested? And I said, yeah, definitely. So in December 2005, I started uh, initial new hire training at this airline that I'm working for. And the rest, if you say, uh, as they say, is history. You know, I've been there for six years now. I'm actually about to be transitioning to uh, from first officer to captain. I've got a month of training coming up for that. And it's been it's just been a wild ride. You know, like I said, beginning of the show, 15 years. I've been flying for 15 years, half of my half of my lifetime. I've never had a hobby or an occupation or an interest or a desire that's ever sustained that long in my life. So I know aviation's around to stay. Again, even if I don't do it professionally, uh, you know, in the future, I'll always be involved in in aviation. So that's that's my story. That's how I got involved. And and um, you know, I was real fortunate to be honest to have that opportunity to get my. You know, I I started that program that was through Daniel Webster, and I got nearly 110 or 120 hours of flight time because of my age restriction because I was so young. So I had, you know, over 100 hours before I even moved on to the next, uh, and it was all for free. So I, I got to wow. tell you, if this, if that hadn't happened that way, I don't know if that's, if I'd be here today with all this experience and these ratings and doing a podcast. And I mean, who knows what the turn of events would have been if I had to have pay for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But that is that's that's the course. That's how I got here today. Wow, man, that, it, that's amazing, Linda. I tell you that you're one of those people that's been been blessed. You know that, that you were able to go through that and have all those experiences at such a young age. Right. You, know, you hear stories about them, and that's you're one of them. That's that's neat. So maybe Victoria did get all the bumps because I. <laughs> I I took your bumps. I'm very gracious. Oh, <laughs> well, I owe you one then. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> There will be a new car in the driveway tomorrow. Oh, there we go. I don't need a new car. Oh, okay. Well, you, you come uh, up with something else. Bag of Skittles. Airplane. Uh, done. Oh, million air- dollars. Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Now you get. I don't share my millions. Uh, <laughs> you have millions? Uh, and we're doing this podcast for free? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Free? I thought it was costing us. <laughs> yeah. Not me. I just show up. <laughs> she just says, yeah, she shows up. There's gifts. There's podcasting gifts for Christmas gifts. And <laughs> very fortunate for her, isn't it? But anyway, so um, so yeah, that's so that's the story of how we all got involved in aviation. Uh, quick recap, you know, I've I started. I got the idea for the first website that I run, thepilotreport.com. You know, I was curious about aviation product reviews. It was right around the time the iPad was coming out and all these aviation apps. And I noticed that there wasn't a lot out there. Uh, that showed you how, you know, because some of these apps, take for instance, ForeFlight, you know, if you if you buy the full Monty, that's a $150 app. How do you demo these things, you know? And at the time, a lot of these applications were expensive. And I was like, I want to, I would like to, you know, do a website that shows people how to use this software. And through that, I started to think of other ways to expand the, the website and the business and share content and get involved. And I, I came into podcasting. Uh, and of course, uh, my friends here, Carl, Rick, and Victoria, you know, Carl and I had worked together at the airline. We had flown. I'd known him for years. Victoria, I somehow started, you know, we started talking on Twitter. And one day I went up to Frederick and we did a tour of AOPA uh, over there at the headquarters and had lunch. And Rick, I had actually met at a a, um, a UCAP meetup here locally in, in the New England area. So through my sort of fate of just meeting people and their own diverse backgrounds, decided that this could be a fun group of individuals to have podcasting, not only for, um, you know, for their own experiences, but we had again, ranging from a private pilot to an airline captain and in between, which would be a really cool perspective in these conversations and shows that we do. So the funny thing is, Victoria, when I asked Victoria about being involved in a podcast, <laughs> tell, tell folks, you didn't think I was, you thought this was just like a one, a one shot deal. I did. You weren't very descriptive and I knew you had your whole pilot report thing. So I, I thought you were asking me to 
co-host like some episode on the pilot report <laughs> and then like you sent introductions and we recorded and I'm like wait I'm supposed to show up twice a month for this <laughs> like what <laughs> but I stayed so. but you stayed but you stayed yeah so tell us tell us I guess since you're talking about how you you know you were unsure of what the situation was but uh, you did decide to stay and stick with us for the long haul tell us in this last 12 months of podcasting how is you know how's your life changed how has podcasting um changed the way folks interact with you or if there's any you know been any notice um yeah there's definitely been notice i, I gotta say i said you know yes to doing the podcast and stuff because it was a point in my life that it was just networking and trying to experience new things. So I was kind of, I wouldn't say no to any opportunity that was related to aviation. So, um, when I got started on this, it took a while, but now like I have clients that will, um, when I send them the policy, they'll reply like, love your podcast or love your blog. Or I listened to this episode the other day and actually got a phone call for insurance the other day. says, I listened to your podcast. I need a quote for my plane. And I was like, all right, I, I got to keep doing this. I keep doing this. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell your boss because now I'm you not, need to raise. Exactly. Like, <laughs> look what I brought in. <laughs> so, yeah, um, people know who I am, which is kind of weird. I never expected uh, anyone to care about what I had to say. And I'm certainly not the best talker, you know, especially live or, you know, I'm better if I type it up and think it over first. But mm-hmm. it seems to be going well. I haven't heard any complaints. I think you're good. Yeah. Thank you. Thank well, you I know much. we've all sort of evolved over the last 26 episodes as to getting not only comfortable with ourselves, but getting comfortable recording and, and sharing things and, and stuff like that. Carl, tell us how the last 12 months of podcasting has uh, influenced your life. Oh, gosh. You know, I tell you, it really, it came at a perfect Besides time. all those hot dates you've been getting. I have hey, been getting. hey, don't tell my girlfriend that. <laughs> no, Again, but, she doesn't listen hey, to this show, right? No, she doesn't. <laughs> Boy, I would be in so much trouble. You, she probably catch She got to come after me. <laughs> you know, these aren't like not over the internet. I'd be dead. I'd be dead meat. But anyway, she knows I'm kidding. The, uh, but yeah, it, gosh, it really has changed my life. I think in a couple of ways, it came at a perfect time. You know, I was, I was in a little bit of a lull and, uh, you know, I was looking for something to do exciting. And I was like, gosh, you know, this sounds really cool. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was an omen. I remember the first, remember during one of the first episodes, uh, we were talking in the parking lot of, or I was in the parking lot on the phone with you. And all of a sudden this, this vortex from a 767 comes down and <laughs> just blows me around. It's like, whoa. And you're like, what's that noise? And I said, I'm in one of the wake vortexes of the 767. And I was like, you know, it, I, I said, wow, that was an exciting experience. I said, you know, that, that was pretty cool. But you know, there's been so many exciting experiences just being able to interact with people that that I never would have done before. These uh, folks that have listened to me or and, and started coming to my blog and and asking questions, it's challenged me. It really has challenged me uh, mentally, and I think that's been great, you know, that I've been able to do that. But I think the biggest thing is that, um, and, and one of the takeaways, one thing that's changed my life is I'm actually able to, you know, go up to people and talk to people I never would have been able to talk to before. Like, you know, Dora, one of the wasps over at Sun and Fun that I got to talk to, one of the only two women in the world to fly B-29, and she actually flew it that day, and be involved mm-hmm. in those type of events. And, you know, with... Is that, that you because know, before you were just that scary creep with a microphone, but now you have me, a purpose scary, in a business card? Say a business card that <laughs> says stuck mic on it. They still want to know what the stuck mic or stuck mic is. Stuck mic. Stuck mic. Now you're legit. Now I'm legit and I get to talk to, you know, astronauts and, you know, like the other day I got to talk to Jimmy Doolittle's granddaughter and, uh, you know, the, those type of things have just been wonderful, those interactions. It really, it really has changed my life. I mean, I, I go to some of these shows and I have people come up to me and, and they'll say, hey, you know, I listen to your podcast and, and, you know, it's usually the next thing I want to hear. It's like, uh-oh, you know, I got a bone to pick with you is usually what I'm, I'm thinking they're going to say. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, I really like it. You know, I was like, oh, good. You know, this person doesn't hate me. That's great. But I think I think what's happened is that it, it's helped me too, and you know I do some stuff with a local news channel that's helped me there to get to do more um, work there with that news channel, and also um, I, I think too it, it's changed my perspective after listening to so many people talk about their passion for aviation and the things that they've done in the past. I look at my past, especially when I talk to a lot of these World War II vets, and I think, God, I have it easy. 
You know, I, I always think, gosh, you know, I, I'm never going to complain again after listening to all these different people that I've listened to from, especially from that era. Mm-hmm. And and it actually got me involved in another uh, um, a documenting of, of history, an event out in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where I was invited to come and do some interviews. And they put all these interviews into the National Archives. Mm-hmm. So that that never would have happened without right. this. And, right. And to get to talk to you. But it's been, and, and to meet you guys, I mean, this has been really cool. I mean, I never, you know... Rick and Victoria, I don't, you know, how would I have ever met those, you two, you know, it's, it's been, and it's been great. Sure. You know, I've learned so much from the, from both of you folks and, and had a lot of fun. So, and then we when, are fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do we still, after all that, the four of us still have yet to ever be in the same place at the same time. Right. That's Most, true. It's my fault, oh, but oh. I'll work on well, it. Well, not, not so much, but just, well, I, one trip just saying in general. It, yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, a year a year together, but not ever being in the same place at the same time. But right. uh, one of these days we'll change that. We yes. might actually get together in person. Yeah. That'd be a, a novel idea. <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, so uh, Rick, how about yourself? Any any changes well, you know, in the last year, you know, people talking? Or, yeah, you know, I, I mean, certainly there's people that, that you connect with, uh, so, you know, social media-wise, even if I don't see them in person, who may have sort of known I was doing something over here and – now they connect it back with this other thing and, and that's all very cool. I mean, I've, I thought, you know, I was doing Twitter, I was doing lots of stuff, Twitter and other things and connecting out and, uh, and doing the videos, uh, of, of my flying and meeting mm-hmm. people that way. And, and then you suggested, you know, Hey, do you want to come do this? And I had thought about podcasting because you were I, like, yeah, you were secretly hoping to be involved in one at I the, was, almost at I, the time I asked. Yeah, I was. And a couple of people had approached me uh, about different ways to incorporate, the videos I was doing into something, but the, the the challenge there is they're not, they're not, uh, well, they're not time timely. There, there's, there aren't, I can't guarantee when I'm going to record. I mean, it was a problem. Right. And I also thought, you know, I can't do a show alone. I've seen enough, um, people try and it's hard, you, you know, to generate content like this, even if it's just, you know, conversation about a topic, if there's no one else to talk to, you know, it's, it, they, those are, those are hard to maintain. And I thought, well, I can't, I don't know enough, to I know what I don't I know a lot about what I don't know I don't know everything I don't know but I mean I'm aware of my limited knowledge base mm-hmm. for flying and I thought well I can't that doesn't work but when suddenly you combine that being a you know younger a newer pilot and you know low time pilot with people who have more experience then oh that makes sense plus I you know and then I you and I talked about some of the technical stuff and you gave me, and I learned a lot about some of the things we do behind the scenes to get the show out, which I didn't mm-hmm. know much about that mingled with the, the editing and, and other things I do. It was perfect. So the timing was great. And yeah, it's been, it's been, I've learned a lot from you guys and it's so cool to, you know, to, you know, hear from other people out there mm-hmm. and connect around it. It's, it's very fun. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my, that's my favorite part is, is the, uh, the connections and the new friends, the opportunities to sit down and meet people in different places. And um, when I'm, traveling around actually on the road for work, uh, folks that I happen to know live in a certain location. If I'm in that area, I've met a few people on the, on the road, um, different listeners and different folks that I've known through social media, Facebook, Twitter, who've now become, you know, they're not just listeners anymore. They're friends of mine, people that I've spent time with, people that I hang out with. Uh, I met a lot of folks last year at Oshkosh and again this year down at Sun and Fun. And the funny part of it now for me is like those aviation events, I'm more excited to go there and hang out with my friends than I really am to see the displays of the air show. I mean, it's 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 still exciting, but I'm more excited to see friends that I only see twice a year. And those friends are the only reason I know them are because of the website and the podcast and the stuff that we do here online. So I'm very grateful and thankful to have met all those folks. That's that's how, you know, that's my favorite part. That's that's what excites me to wake up every morning and do another show and hear from you guys out there in podcast land and and finally meet you guys and go, you know, have a beer or grab breakfast or whatever, whatever the scenario is. So it's been a lot of fun. It certainly has. Uh, well, you know, like I said, the show's evolved. We've we've learned to grow together and you know, another year from now, who knows where we'll be at. But um so it's a, uh, it's been good. It's been a lot of things. You know, I really appreciate you guys showing up and putting the effort in. And I, we've all got crazy schedules, especially Carl and I always on the road. And somehow we've done a really darn good job of making it work. Well, one and, of the things, uh, one of the things you and I said early on, maybe we all talked about it too, is we've got to be there regularly 
and it's it's important to to sort of consistently do this and mm-hmm. uh, and that's been our challenge even when we have challenges trying to even get together to do it mm-hmm. we've we've tried to work through those because we want all of us here and we want to keep going so because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's easy to slip it's easy to let a couple slide and then all of a sudden you know, you yeah, know. the whole thing, yeah, the whole model is broken. After I'm not that. even sure how many total number of shows we've done. This is officially number 26, but we've had a couple of interstitial shows. Yes, yeah, uh, probably in the might even take this total closer to 30. So yeah, I think that it is with some of the uh, some of the interviews that yeah. Carl's done and the extra stuff. Maybe it's not quite in 30, between. But yeah. well, it's it's close. It's right yeah. close around there. So yeah, it's been a fun ride. It's been a and super we're gonna, fun ride. We're going to keep going forward, I think. Yeah, this yeah. is the, the other neat thing is that it's been great. I, I can't see us, you know, you always say that. I, I can't see us ending anytime soon or who knows how far it'll go. But uh, right. I think it's yeah. it's going to be great to discover that. And, yeah. Uh, well, I we have a lot you, to talk about still. We're probably yeah. never going to pick up the pace and do more than two shows a month, though, because that's definitely, that's definitely a good pace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's ma- it, we, can, we can make that happen. If we tried yeah. to do one a week... I don't think we, you know, I don't know what we'd do. I I try. <laughs> I barely have time to sleep and eat and do, you know, let alone doing podcasting. Right. My poor website over at the Pilot Report is about as neglected as a redheaded stepchild. So, you know. Redhead? I, Hello. Minute. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's a saying, Victoria. It's got nothing <laughs> to do really? with Really? Is that what that is? No. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> All right, sassy pants. Tone it down. Tone it down. But uh, yeah, so thank you know we've done a good job of that. You know, then yeah, uh, just something that we all haven't mentioned yet is what have we've had some great interactions with other podcasters, even podcasters that aren't even into the aviation field. You know, other folks, and you know, I know you and I have been on another show. That's right. That's right. And there's actually no, he is in the in the aviation field. Oh yeah, that's true. um, But yeah, it's been neat to be able to meet all these other people that you listen to. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know, have have you had experience? Uh, I I think Rick, Rick, you have. Well, certainly, yeah. yeah, Jack, uh, Jack Hodgson from UCAP and I have known each other for a while, and and uh, so that's been cool. But there's a guy who does a great podcast out of uh, Great Britain that I started listening to. And uh, he and I will, you know, exchange, you know, comments back and forth about each other's shows because he's he's he is someone who's making a show happen all by himself, and uh, and it's just cool to listen to because it's different. It's a it's the same stuff, but not quite. Um, right. Like I think pattern. I don't know if am I right about this, but like a pattern is a circuit. I think. Yeah. There. Right. And right, there's right, little yeah. word choices that are like, oh, cool. I think I know what he means by that. So it's very <laughs> fun, and he's. You know, we've never met. I think we Skyped once just to say hi to each other. And the world is that small now that it's mm-hmm. it's very cool. And, yeah, so there's a lot of people out there doing this. I know, Len, you've connected up with the guys, some guys down under, right? Uh, yeah, some fo- some different folks in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been a lot of different things going on behind the scenes, a lot of opportunities, or not just opportunities, but a lot of connections that, I, like I said, I wouldn't have made otherwise. So it's been fun. It's been a cool experience for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna and and thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, and absolutely, uh, you got. You, I mean, if it wasn't for you guys, the listeners, we wouldn't be on show number twenty six a year later. So we do yeah. appreciate you tuning in twice a month and listening to us uh, chit chat and putting up with our nonsense every now and then, and uh, you know, showing up every every couple of weeks. And if it wasn't for you guys, again, we uh, you know we wouldn't be here. So we're, we're all very grateful. And, uh, for let you. me just tip tip my hat to uh, to Len too for pulling it all together and for lots of little things like the fact that we have an app. Um, and those of you who, <laughs> no, I mean, it's cool. I don't, I don't know if any, if you haven't got this app yet um, and you have a smartphone of any, almost any kind, um, you should get it. Cause uh, the, some of the challenges with podcast listening is you've got to download the, you know, the, the latest podcast. So if you have a device that's wire connected, you've got to have a computer and you've got to download it and then load it into your device. And, um, but the app has all our episodes playable mm-hmm. now. You know, mm-hmm. boom, anyone you want to hear, go. And that, I don't know if anybody, if people even know that, but it's a great thing. And so check that out. And thanks yep. to Len. Thank you. Appreciate it. I want to, and I just added a new feature actually to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash stuck Mike Avcast. Pictures, new t- pictures of all our tattoos? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tattoos. We haven't even got to the tattoo episode. No, but, no. <laughs> 
Um, it's gonna be an episode. That's yeah, it's a whole episode because because we know how many you have, Victoria. <laughs> oh, it's gonna I take a gonna whole hour. Uh, metadata. Metadata. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, Jan's on Facebook.com forward slash stuck my gabcast at our page. I added just this just happened here recently. There's a new tab. Um, if it would show up, there's a new tab in the information bar right below the uh, cover photo that says listen now. And if you click on listen now, it redirects you to a page right within Facebook where all of our episodes reside. You can listen to them right there in Facebook. No downloading through iTunes, no downloading through your podcast uh, catcher, no syncing with a device. So you know, like Rick was saying, if you like the the portability of the app, the mobile app, because everything's right there in the palm of your hand, you can also stay within um, the walled garden of Facebook if that's what you like and, and consume the episodes from right there within. And uh, that's a new feature we just added within the last week. Check it out. Yeah, It's right there on the I mean, Facebook We're page. trying to stay up with what's happening with this technology stuff. But if, if you guys want to have you have anything else you want to tell us that you'd like to have us do that? Just let us know. Yeah, because uh, I wouldn't have known about that MP3 feed until one of our listeners suggested it to us. So, you know, your suggestions are always welcome. Yeah, definitely. The after landing checklist. Cool. Exciting. Well, this uh, this has been fun sharing, you know, finally sort of sharing our story on the air of how we all get involved in aviation and podcasting and what it's meant to us and Again, we definitely thank everybody for tuning in to not just this episode, but all of our episodes and participating in the show. We love your comments and your feedback, not only on Facebook and Twitter, but uh, through email. You can send an email to us at stuckmikeavcast at gmail.com. We are the Stuck Mike Avcast on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Carl, tell folks how they can get a hold of you directly. Uh, you can find me on my website, uh, expertaviator.com, and on Twitter and Facebook, and also on YouTube, all under Expert Aviator. Victoria? Uh, you can find all my contact info on my blog at toriaflies.blogspot.com. Including pictures of her new tattoo. <laughs> and my new tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, boy. Rick? Uh, rfelty on Twitter, rdfelty at YouTube, and rotationspeed.com. All right, and I am the Pilot Report on Facebook and Twitter, as well as thepilotreport.com. I do have some stuff on uh, all my videos are on YouTube, so you can find me there as well. From myself, Len Costa, Carl Valeri, Rick Felty, and Victoria Neuville, thanks for listening to episode number 26 of the Stuck Mike Avcast. And everybody, we all wish you guys clear skies and calm winds. Take care. You've been listening to the Stuck Mike Abcast. Members of the Stuck Mike Abcast may receive compensation for products or services mentioned during the podcast. Compensation may be received in the form of, but not limited to, referral commissions, free products, or service trials. Our opinions and views are never influenced by any compensation, and you should always perform your own due diligence before purchasing any products or services mentioned during the show. The Stuck Mike Abcast is an aviation podcast brought to you by thepilotreport.com, a Len Costa production.